Hello and welcome to the Traumanomics Podcast, a place where we discuss a wide range of topics emphasizing healing, change, and growth for abuse survivors. Drawing from personal and professional experiences, we'll discuss issues openly for those in helping positions such as parents, educators, health and mental health professionals, and members of law enforcement. This is Dr. Chris Bertelson. Chris is a survivor, educator, and author. As a teenager, Chris was a target of a notorious child molester in his hometown, a man who went on to abduct and murder one of the victims. This abduction case went unsolved for 27 years. Chris was instrumental in helping bring attention to the cases, which were eventually solved in 2016. And this is Jordan Howard. Jordan is a therapist here in Arkansas with extensive experience working with abuse victims and males in particular. In addition, Jordan works with couples and people with addiction. Together, we hope to share stories and commentary of resilience and healing in a caring and lighthearted way, bringing attention to issues of abuse, addiction, and the effects on individuals and society. Hey guys, welcome to the Traumanomics Podcast. We are uh, sitting here in lovely Arkansas. Um, weather's actually getting nice, too. It's cooling off, finally. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. Not, uh, it's not beastly hot today. Yeah, we're getting there, right? We're getting you there. Know? Yeah, we're getting there. Absolutely. So Actual fall, you know, it'll drop to winter pretty quick. But, um, guys, we very much appreciate you uh, tuning in to our podcast. And uh, we're, I think we're going strong on all the different uh, platforms where you can get them now. You know, iTunes and Google Play and, you know, all the different ones that are out there. So, wherever you get your podcast, uh Please feel free to, you know, and please do get on there and subscribe to us, uh, listen to it. Uh, we would love your feedback, you know, on it as well. Um, email us if you want to yeah, email. We yeah. can we can always take questions, and uh, we're happy to do that. Yeah, discuss so what you want to talk about. That's upstartresilience at gmail.com. and so and we're uh, at, ups, up, at, at upstartres on Twitter. Mm-hmm. So uh, pretty soon we're going to get fancy and have all these other social media stuff, right? Yeah, you know? mate. Well, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> Behind the times here a little bit. That's right. That's right. right. Hey, we are in Arkansas. I mean, you that's know, right. On, so. <laughs> You're from here. You can say I it. can say that, right? You know, <laughs> that's right. So, uh, no, lots of love for my state. Well, guys, we are, uh, we're, we're kind of transitioning a little bit today into a different topic. We spent the last uh, couple of weeks talking about addiction and its various forms. And today we're kind of going to look at, um, you know. And we'll you, come back to addiction. We will. Sure, we will. Over time. Well, and, and I know we even said this, I think, after, you know, behind the scenes, after we, filmed, after we shot the last one, we were uh, kind of talking to ourselves. There's so much on that topic. Right. That in so many different directions you could go. And so I know, guys, that last one, you, you know, there was a lot just to be said. And there's a lot, you know, I felt like there was a lot that needed to be said. So, uh, but this week we're going to look at where, where that natural flow would probably go from from addiction and from trauma of a place that it could lead natural well, and unfortunate oh yeah absolutely yeah, i mean not so, uh, not not natural in the way that people would want it to be for right? sure so for sure yeah. and so where where we're kind of going with that guys is the idea of, of incarceration you know like chris said not a place where you would want to wind up but um when you're looking at things like trauma and addiction a place where you definitely could right and so, you know, one of the things that, one of the positives that is is happening now is the use of drug court. And so before we get into, um, like, my experience in, in research, I just want to mention that the system is starting to see the value in not just locking people up automatically, you know. And so that is a good thing. Um, you know, the, the three strikes and you're out situation, you know, you're selling drugs, caught with certain amounts, things like that. Um, you know, people end up in prison. They're not violent offenders. And as Jordan has said before, you know, he says 100% of his clients have 
trauma that underlies addiction. Well, um, if you look at the numbers in folks who are incarcerated, uh, it's even higher, uh, you know, rates of PTSD, for example, in folks who are incarcerated before they go into prison. Once they're in there, they have even more PTSD, right? Mm -hmm. And so, um, so one of the things that, um, one of the things I just want to start out by saying is that the Folks who are incarcerated lots and lots of times have trauma, most of the time have trauma, sexual abuse, neglect, things like that. And, you know, that's addiction. Well, and I don't, <clears throat> I don't want to jump the gun here for something that we're probably going to speak about later, but I know that, um, I know recently even here in Arkansas, there's been a little bit of reform happening to where, especially with like juvenile offenders, uh, to where they're starting to become more rehabilitative. And they're, they're looking at ways that can kind of do that and kind of move away from the punishment, complete punishment aspect of thing. I know right. you're probably going to speak to that, but right. um, some things will start moving uh, a little bit different direction. One of the things we want to talk about, too, is uh, what you mentioned, Jordan, the, the fact that people who get into the system end up being punished, uh, get out, recommit, reoffend, punished again. Um, and it's a real cyclical situation. And so... Um, to break that cycle, I'm sure you would argue too. You know, we got to get to uh, we got to get to the source of it, right? And oftentimes, that's trauma. Rehabilitative processes are are going to be more helpful than punitive processes in that case. And so, um, so one of the things that uh, I'll I'll just start out saying is that uh, my research when I you know, started working on it was as a teacher, I saw a lot of kids who weren't engaged in school right? School is boring. School is dumb. <laughs> we fall, I don't know why I'm here. You know, kids, You're reading that's, my mind. that's <laughs> the, you know, that's, and, and so a lot of schools, it's, you know, what we call sit and get kids sit there. And, uh, the teacher is this font of knowledge and, uh, you write down whatever I say and I'll give you a test on it. And so I, um, as a teacher thought about that, thought about my own role in, um, creating boredom, which, you know, I was guilty of for sure. And so I, I kind of wanted to look at what if kids were interested in, in something, you know, what would that look like? And so kind of turned me into this thinking about projects for classes and in particular entrepreneurship. And so this, I taught this economics class and I used the curriculum where the kids basically worked on starting their own business. And we did these trading days, um, had to, you know, call it a classroom economy. But what I found is that the students who, when they participated in that, they were more engaged. Project-based experiential learning kept them on track. Okay, so that's the background. I left teaching, you know, and I started this uh, dissertation program. And I thought about, do engaged kids... Are they less of a behavior issue in schools, right? So hmm. kids who are engaged in the learning, kids who are doing projects like this entrepreneurship thing, are they less likely to get in trouble in school? And so that's really, that was really the springboard of my, um, of my interest in, in this. And so as I was thinking about what I was going to study, the thought of, well, you know, entrepreneurship courses in schools, maybe that would be a good topic. The problem with that is I'm starting a dissertation at my age and doing a longitudinal study. I actually wanted to see the results of it. And so I shifted to studying offenders. And one of the questions that people ask a lot is, you know, what do we do with these folks when they get out? And, you know, oh, they sold drugs. They should be able to, to uh, 
sell anything. They can sell Pampered Chef. They can do, you know, they can start their own business. The question then became entrepreneurship for offenders. And so if somebody's incarcerated, do they have some business acumen that uh, other folks don't have? Do they have higher, do folks that are, are willing to commit crimes, is that a function of, you know, some higher level of entrepreneurship acumen? Am I more of a risk taker um, in business as I would be in a crime? Well, this is a these are <laughs> these are incredibly complex. So questions. that's a complex question. Yeah. yeah so, so, but that's the, the you know you hear this off the cuff quite frequently. Well, you know they could sell they could sell whatever, and so that's what I set out to do. And um, I did my research, did my dissertation um, in that area, and. A couple of things really came out of that for me. One of the things that I learned from this experience was that there's a lot of trauma in prisons. There's a lot of addiction in prisons. And um, I did a quantitative study where I had my participants answer some questionnaires, and then I, I ran some statistics on these on these answers. And so there were a few questions that I asked about each person. And one of the overwhelming themes was drugs. Lots and lots and lots of drugs. Why are they in prison? Drugs. Uh, and and assault, assault to get drugs. Robbery. So, so drugs were very Drugs were huge. Yeah. Robbery to get stuff to sell to get drugs, right? And wow. so that's really when I, doing that research is when I kind of shifted my view of it's really not about education it's about addressing the trauma yeah if that makes sense yeah it, it, to me it kind of begs the question too with that chris and you know just outcomes of research and looking at this topic like what are the best ways to kind of reach that population to deal with the trauma because i can imagine at least in my mind i'm kind of throwing this out here of like you know, you, you, you're in a situation where your actions have, have led to a, a sentence, you know, in prison. Uh, and something you mentioned, too, it's like the trauma that led to that, then the trauma of being in there. Right. So you're coming out of there with sort of this double whammy or triple whammy of, you know, trauma kind of piling on itself. Right. You know, it's like, are these people getting the access to, and I think I want to frame it this way. I know there are programs probably out there to help them maybe access some resources, but I think we've got to take into consideration are the people that are in these situations, is that enough? You know, is that is that enough for them to to make those contacts, to get in those, you know, to work on this stuff? Because I right. feel like it would be very easy, you know, I mean, it, it's just common sense to me. It's like, okay, if I'm making X number of money slinging drugs, you know, versus like, okay, now I'm a felon. Now I'm going to go work at where, you know? Right. It's well, like, and that's the, that's, the, that's the situation a lot of uh, returning citizens find themselves in is that they uh, don't have an education. Many times they're in, like in the state of Arkansas, if you don't have a, a GED or diploma, you have to work on it in prison, which is a good thing. So they have to take classes, move toward getting that GED. That's a good thing. But now you get out and um, you can't get a job. People run the background check. They see the criminal record. They see the felony. And, and you know, more companies are starting to take a risk on hiring returning citizens, but it's still... There's a stigma, a stigma. Yeah. and so many times they don't. And so what happens is, just as a matter of um, of survival, really, returning citizens return to their neighborhood. Right. And so when they return to their neighborhoods, many times they reoffend. Right. 
you know, we've got a, a, the numbers on that. Recidivism in Arkansas, for example, is 55, 60%. Which is very range. high. Really high. Yeah. And, and what that means, recidivism means that the, the person who has gotten out of prison, the way that I'm getting that number from is that that person within three years has returned to prison. And so that's really, you know, that's what we're looking at in terms of, um, you know, when we lock people up, there are consequences for that person, but there are also consequences for society because now that person's got a record. And um, I'm, I'm not sure that the, the best policy approach on it. I don't know if expunging those records is the way to go. I don't know. Um, but, but the way it is presently, um, that person commits a crime, they go do their time, they do their sentence, uh, they do parole, probation, things like that. And, and that. and in many cases, they never get past it. They always owe. They can't get employment. They can't live in federally subsidized housing developments, things like that. So they're the crime never, it always catches them, always catches up. So, so in talking, and, and, uh, and I know that there's, there, there's probably a lot of different paths we can go with this topic, but what is the chance for healing, for change, for growth in this area? And, you know, I'll kind of, you know, not to put you on the spot, Chris, but I know with your research stuff, what do you, what do you think would be maybe some good, good things that we could implement? Uh, maybe at a, at a, at a social level, at a, at a state level, but I mean, I don't know what, what are some of those things we maybe we that could be done to potentially help this? this well, problem? I I mean, I'm a former teacher. You know, I think education is is vital, and I think there's really you're asking me you're asking me a question that I would have to separate out into two things. What do we do to prevent it, mm-hmm. and what do we do to um, to help once these things have well happened? Said. Yeah. Well said. So so I think I'll, I'll start with the with the prevention piece first. And I think education is key there. You know, we've talked about reporting. We've talked about how to help kids that are in these, these situations, people in helping professions, teachers, law enforcement, we can't stick our heads in the sand and we can't say, Oh, these this, there's something wrong with this kid and do nothing about it because that's our future offender. One thing you brought up with the education thing reminds me of a conversation I was having with my wife. Who's a, a, She's an educator at the university level, and she is, she was telling me that uh, one of the things that's done right now is she's big into working with literacy and said that basically a lot of states in planning for future prison population issues, because we know that's a that's an issue most states are facing too, is the capacity to hold, hold prisoners, that they're taking literally fourth grade literacy scores from schools. Can they read? Can they read by the age of where they're in fourth grade? And if they can't, they actually start preparing beds, future beds, thinking about how that's going to play out in the future. So you wow. picked up on an absolutely crucial issue right there with education. Right. Well, and I, I just don't think you just can't keep locking people up, you know, for drug, for example, for drug offenses and think that's going to fix the problem. Correct. It, it, it's just not. Yeah. And so what, what I think as, as a society, what we have to look at is what makes these kids prone to addiction in the first place. Mm-hmm. And you would probably argue trauma. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. um, so it's it's one of those things. You know, we live in a society, kind of an all or nothing society, and I think education is the key early on to make people feel valued. To make you know the kid that wants to go into the trades, for example, to affirm that decision rather than scold them for not wanting to go to a four year university, mm-hmm. right? 
So those, you know, not shaming kids when they make a choice that you don't agree with. You well, don't. well, and, and you, you're naming something too. That I think is huge when you talk about maybe the trauma piece is the generational traits. You know, when we look at different layers of trauma too, there's all these different, whether it be a, a individual or a or a system. And one, you know, looking at longitudinal stuff of like families that have been in poverty, or right? Generational stuff that's going on there, right? Yeah. So. Well, and you know, look at the time. You know, we don't even we didn't. I didn't even address the second part of your question. So maybe you know, maybe we have to come back here in the next episode. I'm, I'm sensing part two. Yeah, yeah. and, and yeah. we'll do a part two on you know just some some ideas that might help folks who um, returning citizens and folks like that. So um, thank you for joining us, everyone. We really appreciate it. Again. Um, Get a hold of us if you'd like to uh, have us address a topic or if you want to share part of your story. We're happy to do that uh, anonymously. Uh, get on wherever you find your podcasts again and uh, and subscribe to us. We really appreciate it. Well, and rumor has it that we're going to be doing some workshops. We well. are going to do some so. workshops. And so if you're, if you're interested in speaking, if you want us to, uh, to do that, please get a hold of us and uh, reach out and we'll get back to you. Thanks, have, guys. Have a great week. This podcast is made available by Upstart Resilience, LLC, for educational purposes only, as well as to give you general information and a general understanding of the subject matter. This podcast is not designed to give specific professional advice. By using this podcast, you understand that there is no counselor-client relationship nor any other professional relationship between you and the hosts. This podcast should not be used as a substitute for competent professional advice from a licensed professional in your state.